I say it over and over and over. I'm so thankful, privileged, humbled by the opportunity to pastor, to minister, to be in this place. I think far too many times we take for granted our ability to gather to lift up the name of Jesus. You know, I told y'all not long ago, I got a text about two Christians in another nation that had been killed because they blasphemed Mohammed. One stoned and one hung. We don't have to worry about that here. We are so free and blessed to just come in and worship the Creator, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The author and finisher of our, of our faith. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. All we have to do is come in and lift our voice and lift our hands in freedom. I'm so thankful for that. This evening I'm glad to see Pastor Markham here from Crowley. Thank you for coming. Reverend LaDonna Lowe has slipped in and joined us. and Evangelist Janice Hill is here with us tonight. I'm so thankful to see my friend. Uh, and I don't mean that disrespectful, sister. I consider you a friend. She uh, is women's ministry director of Southern New England. Her husband is the administrative bishop. And uh, she is one of the finest evangelists the Church of God has. I'm a firm believer in that. We come to know each other through seminary and connected through our community of faith. And uh, that was the class, but also our community of faith through the church. Uh, but I, um, it's a pleasure to have you here with us tonight told Mel she was leaving the platform. I pulled her over. I said, come here and look at this. She had no idea. And I'm not preaching from that verse to start, but it is certainly uh, the point I'm working towards, the 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, it's just amazing how God works. I put together a list of services. I don't even remember how long ago it was now because this is continuing in Pentecostal winds. Everywhere that the Spirit is mentioned, and if you'll put up the title slide, I'll get to the verses here in a minute and we'll read them. You know, they're just coming out of a prayer conference at Crawley. And I had this sermon picked out some months ago. I don't look at Joni's calendar. I can't keep up with what she's doing. I'm doing good enough to keep up with me. But for tonight, it's prayer and a promise and praise, praise, praise. Peace and victory by the Holy Spirit. It's coming right after, man, I'm telling you, these women have absolutely just seen a powerful move of God. Now, it's not by accident. It's not by chance. I see part of the preparation that they go through in living with Joni. Part of what they go through. It's partly hunger. So it's, um, I guess you could say it's by design that they've seen it because they put in the time and the work and they're hungry. So, but anyway, tonight we're going to touch on prayer again. I believe God just works all things together for good of those that love the Lord. But we're going to start in Second Chronicles and I'm going to read a lot of text tonight, but I am expecting a move of God in this house. I'm not here just to preach to walls. I'm not here just for people to hear what I say. 
but I am here tonight fully expecting that the power of God will fall in this house and that people will see what has been prayed about, what has been promised, what they need in their lives to secure the next step, to secure the next day living in Christ Jesus, to be able to walk forward in the power of the Spirit instead of walking through in the flesh. I'm expecting God to move tonight. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. This is kind of the center. And as you find it in your Bible, if you would stand for the reading of the word, we'll have it on the screen also. It says, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye. Listen to me. That's what he's saying. When he's saying hearken, he's not just a little something light. Listen. All Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and even the king Jehoshaphat, listen to me. Thus saith the Lord unto you. Be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Listen to me tonight, Mill Creek Church of God. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by the reason of every devil in hell that circled about you and your family and every mountain that's in front of you, the battle is not yours, but God's. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. God, for the power and promises in your word. Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost that's resting in this house. Lord, I thank you that you want to see good for your children. Lord, I thank you tonight that you have already made promises. God, I thank you tonight that in the midst of praise, God, that we can see victory and peace come our way through the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I simply pray that we could glorify and honor you and that the power of the Holy Ghost would fall in this house tonight. Lord, I thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen and amen. Oh, glory. You know, I think sometimes we end up like Jehoshaphat. Now you can go and you can read 2 Chronicles 20 and I'm going to be pretty much right in that text. But I look at Jehoshaphat and I see a king that is much like Christians in churches today. You see, we have lost generations of kids coming 
to church. Me and Joni was talking the other day and, and that people our age, mine and Joni's age, have not raised their kids up in church because they were not raised up in church. I was not raised in church. My aunt took me. I am church of God. I was church of God since before I was born. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, I was church of God. I was Pentecostal. I didn't have a choice. My great-grandparents laid the foundation and helped physically build the church of God at Montcalm. I was church of God. I didn't have a chance. But my parents did not raise me in church. Therefore, when I started getting of age, it wasn't a priority to me. Now, I'm a blessed man. Y'all know that I have shared with y'all. My oldest son plays drums and he's on the finance committee at his church. My youngest son works their tech and their sound and, and they are committed. I'm blessed. And, and in large part, that is thanks to Joni because she was much more faithful and committed than I ever was throughout our younger years in the first part of our marriage. But in large part we see trouble I believe in our lives because we have really missed two generations our parents was not raised in church so therefore we wasn't really raised in church there was a time when you had to go to the house of the Lord but then somewhere along the line they decided that you know what I'm going to let little Susie and little Jimmy make up their own mind well let me tell you something little Susie and little Jimmy don't have a clue about life you need to tell them what to do as a parent you need to take them into the house of the Lord. You need to train up a child in the way that they should go. That way, that way does not depart from them when they become of age. That way, when if they have children, they will start bringing them into the house of the Lord. But let me, let me get back to what I got. My goodness, I'll go down that trail forever. Anyway, we have, we have went through generations of this, so we are in a place where I feel like, though not physically, not in the, in the physical sense, but spiritually, very much we are in the same place that Jehoshaphat was spiritually. Because, you see, if you go back, it says it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some and told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee. From beyond the sea on the side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. Now I'll go on here in a minute. But you see, Jehoshaphat was in a place where he did not know what to do. He was in a place where if he sent troops to one side of the camp that the other side would be exposed and the enemy could come in and destroy his town and his home. If he sent troops to that side, then the other side would be exposed. If he split the troops and sent some here and some there, then there would not be enough to hold off the advances and they would lose on both fronts. Jehoshaphat was in a no-win situation. Now, I feel like there's a lot of days when we crawl out of bed in the morning and we open our eyes and we will look and we will say, my God, what am I going to do? I'm in a no-win situation. If I pay the 
light bill, they're going to cut the water off. If I pay the car payment, they're going to foreclose on the house. God, I don't know what to do. If I talk to this family member, this one won't talk to me. If I go over and talk to that one, this one's going to shun me. God, if I take this job offer, I'm not going to be able to stay married to my wife. If I stay married to my wife, I'm going to have to be broke as a joke all the days of my life. We wake up and we don't know what to do. God, if I wake up and I try to help my son out, I'm just going to mess it up. But if I don't talk to him, he's never going to talk to me again. God, if I try to talk to my parents today, they're just going to throw me away. I'm going to be an outcast. But God, if I don't talk to him, you can work. What do I do? If I split my resources, God, they're going to take everything I've got. If I try to work on this front, God, the enemy's going to come in and swipe everything away. If I go over here, the devil knows that this backside's exposed. God, I have nowhere to turn. Jehoshaphat feared. We fear. When we get up in the mornings, if everything is not perfect in our life, and it rarely is, we fear. But I like what Jehoshaphat done. This is what we need to do. He said he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. And not just him, but all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. That's the end of verse 4. Judah gathered themselves. I didn't gather myself to the Lord. I've told y'all time and time again that it's scripture. It's in Romans that when someone comes in that door, I don't care how happy you are, if they're fearful, if they're mourning, then our biblical responsibility is to mourn with them. That our responsibility, even if we're in mourning, when they come in rejoicing because God has moved and gave them victory over a battle, our responsibility is to shed off our clothes of mourning and we're supposed to put on a cloak of joy and we're supposed to rejoice with our brothers and sisters. You see, it ain't just me that needs to set myself before the Lord. It's the congregation as a whole. And when we will find unity and we will do what Jehoshaphat done, which is call the church together and let us mourn and let us grieve and let us seek after the Lord. Let us put one another before our own selves and let us put the Lord above it all. That's what they done. They asked help of the Lord. Why? Because here, let me tell you the real truth of the matter. If you walk into this church tomorrow and me and Stanley both have failed, guess what? Half of this church will end up walking away and going somewhere else. That's the truth of the matter. If me and him leave our flank open and the devil comes in while we're over here battling, in other words, we haven't sought the Lord, half of this church will fall or go somewhere else. If James and Rudy fall tomorrow, even though me and Stanley are still here, half of this church will walk away and go elsewhere. Now, we don't like to think that. We like to think, oh, my faith is stronger than that. It doesn't matter to me what the leaders of the church do. My faith is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it needs to be and it better be. But when you walk in and those that you respect and those that you love and those that you look up to have fallen and 
fallen away and walked away, then you also will stumble. I know what I'm speaking about because I've been down that road. So we need to come together, all of Judah, all of Judah. It's not just Mill Creek either. It's Mill Creek and Crawley. It's Mill Creek and Southern New England. It's Mill Creek and anywhere else that might be represented here that has to come together, not under the banner of a particular denomination, not under the banner of any particular title, but under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have set ourselves in front of, that we fear, that we fear, that we fear that our flank may be left open, that we fear we don't have enough resources. So we fear and we seek and set ourselves upon God Almighty who is able to do everything that we need to see done. He can do exceeding abundantly more than we can think or ask. When we think that there is no way out, that God will provide a way. When we think we can't reach what we need to reach, that God will open the door and allow us to walk right on through and take back what we need. But now I love how they sought after the Lord. You ever get mad at God? Don't lie to me and tell me you ain't. Because we all have. Look, I sat on the couch with my daddy laying in a bed, a hospice bed, and I prayed. I said, God, why don't you just let him go on and die? Why are you making him suffer? I was mad. Why are you making someone that pastored church after church an ordained bishop in the church of God? He loves you. He's been praying to you. Why are you letting him suffer, God? I was mad. We all get mad at God at some point. I'm not saying indignantly. I'm not saying that we're disrespectful to God. But we get mad at God sometimes because we don't see things happening. I believe that's where Jehoshaphat was at. See, it says Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? God, are you not God? Have you lost your sense of authority and power? That's what Jehoshaphat said. When he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? God, are they not under your control? Why are you letting these things circle around me? Why are you putting me in a position to where I cannot make a good decision? Why are you putting me into a place, God, where I feel like I can't win? Why are you putting me into a place where I feel like I have no escape? God, why are you doing this to me? And in thy hand, is there not power and might? God, you can take them away. David prayed, y'all know my favorite psalm, Psalm chapter 3. God smashed the teeth out of their head. That's the hillbilly version. God, have you lost the ability to do what you've done for David? Where you smote the jaws of the enemies and knocked their teeth out? Have you lost that power and might? They're circled about me, God. I don't have a way out. And yet here you are not moving. Or have you reached a place where People can withstand you. Now sometimes it's okay to remind God of these things. Some of you have been waiting to see something come to pass for so long now 
that you're starting to get a little angry and maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe it's time that we rose up in prayer. That's the first point is prayer. And we raise up and we remind God that we know exactly who he is. You see, Jehoshaphat was mad. Jehoshaphat didn't see a way out. I believe some of us are at that point where we are mad about things going on and we don't see a way out. Maybe it's time not only that we remind God of who he is, but in doing that prayer, we remind ourselves of who he is. That he is the God in heaven. That he reigns and that his enemies will be his footstools. And that he reigns over not just the just and the righteous, but he is also the ruler over all the kingdoms of the heathens. That even the demons believe and fear and tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. That there is still authority and power in the hand of God and when the Holy Ghost still moves that things still happen that healings can still happen that people can still be set free that people can still walk in the freedom from their addictions that your family he has still said that he wants all people to come to the knowledge of truth wishing that none would perish he don't want anybody to die and go to hell we need to remind ourselves as much as we need to remind God of who he is Now he goes on down and he has much more in that prayer. But for the sake of time, I'm going to drop down to verse 13. I would encourage you to read this whole section. 2 Chronicles 1 through 30. We start with prayer. Jehoshaphat is pressed in on every side and he don't know what to do except for seek the Lord. And he seeks the Lord in prayer and in doing this prayer, he reminds both himself and God of who God is. He's acknowledging to God that I know who and what you are and I know that you have the power. I don't understand. As Isaiah said, your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I don't understand, but God, I know who you are. I just don't see what's going on here. But to understand, and I'm going to mention this again, they did it in unity. All Judah stood before the Lord. Steve didn't stand before the Lord individually. Steve didn't just stand before the Lord with Boyd and Stanley and James and Rudy, the church and pastor's council. Steve has to stand before the Lord with Mill Creek Church of God. Steve has to stand before the Lord with the little ones, with the wives, with the children. As a whole, Steve has to stand in unity with Vivi. Steve has to stand in unity with Janice, with LaDonna. And not just them, but everyone they minister to. Have to stand in unity with Pastor Markham's flock. Have to stand in unity with Sister Hill's flock. We need to stand before the Lord together in prayer. But now here's the thing. You see, when we get unified in prayer, when we get unified in understanding who God is, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about anything other than what Paul proclaimed. I, I came to preach Christ and Him crucified. I didn't come with enticing words of wisdom. My degrees I'm proud of, but they are not going to do any good when we go to seek the Lord. What we got to have when we seek the Lord is unity. And when we seek the Lord in unity and 
and in prayer, that prayer will bring about a promise. Because you see, this promise didn't come up front. The trouble came and then prayer followed in behind it. Now after the prayer come are the two verses that I started with, verses 14 and 15. That Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, upon him. He had a pedigree. I don't care what pedigree you got. If the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, we're good. But see, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, not my God in heaven, not in his bedroom, not in his bathtub, not in his car going down the street. You don't have to amen me on that. That's okay. I can show you more scriptures that say you need to be in the house of the Lord. You need to quit sitting at home worshiping in your pajamas. You need to quit propping your feet up and watching it on the big screen TV. What you need to do is get in the house of the Lord. They were unified and come together in prayer in the house of the Lord. And when they walked into the house of the Lord and they were unified in prayer, then upon one of them, God picked one. He didn't pick Jehoshaphat. He didn't pick the king. I know this Jehaziel had a pedigree, but you know what? Jehoshaphat was the king. He picked someone else and upon him in the midst of the congregation came the Spirit. And after they had prayed and after the Spirit showed up, then we get this promise. Hearken ye, listen. Don't you be afraid. You look around your life when you got up this morning and you've got more problems than you can count on one hand. You woke up this morning and you were grieved for a family member. Not because they were in the grave, but because you fear they're going to go to a grave and die and go to hell because they're not saved. You got up this morning and you were stressed about how you were going to pay a particular bill. You see, there was a great multitude around you when you got up this morning. Now, it may not have been opposing armies from every surrounding city-state. But I promise you those problems are not from the Lord. They are things to make you walk away from God. They are things to max your stress levels out to where you react in ways that you shouldn't. But God said, listen to me, God said, not your problems, not your stresses, not your finances, not your family, not anything else. God said, be not afraid. Don't you be dismayed by reason of all these devils in hell that have got you surrounded. This is not your battle that is going on in your life. This is not your battle that is stressing you out every morning when you get up. This is not your battle that you're fighting day after day. But God said, this is my battle. Let me fight it. Let me take care of your problems. Let me step in. Let me worry about the armies. Let me worry about the light bill. Let me worry about the sun. Let me worry about the daughter. Let me worry about the spouse. Let me worry about everything going on in your life. You turn it over to me and God will take care of it. That's what God has to say. You see, this promise wasn't brought about by a man. Oh no, it, it, it is not just this Jehaziel that made the promise. He just happened to be the carrier of it. The promise was made by the Holy Ghost. 
It was the Holy Ghost that come up on him and brought this promise about. But there's something tucked in right in behind this in verse 17 that we better get down into our spirits. You see, prayer brought about a promise. But this prayer and this promise does no good without action. Oh, we like to say, I, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I'm asking God to give me some direction. I've told y'all a hundred times. If I've told you once, the will of God is that all people will come to the knowledge of truth. You want to know the will of God for your life? He wants you to be saved. That's it. Everything else is a gift of the Spirit. Is a fruit of the Spirit. Does He want you to love your neighbor? My God, you don't have to pray about it. Just go love them. You want a new job? Does it interfere with church? Don't take it. If it don't, take it. You want a new car? Can you afford it? Buy it. If you can't, don't. It ain't got nothing to do with the will of God. The will of God for your life is that you would give your heart to Him. That's it. End of story. My God, we'll pray all day about whether we should sit in the second pew or the third. God, where do you want me to sit when I go to church? He wants you to sit in church. Stop. The action he's talking about is walking in the Spirit. Going out and facing the battles. You see, I think so many times we'll pray and, and put these other things up on a pedestal because we know that it's inconsequential where we sit when we come into church. But we know deep down in our hearts that we need to walk in and we need to sit here. We know whether we can afford something or not, but we'll spend time praying about that so we don't have to face the real issues going on circling our lives. But see, down in verse 17, what he required of them was for tomorrow to go against them. You see, they prayed, they had a promise, but they had to do something. They had to get up out of the sanctuary. They had to get up out of their bedroom. They had to get up out of their homes. They had to get up from wherever they were. And they had to quit praying about it. They had to accept the promise. And they had to walk into what was in front of them. Tomorrow, go out against them. It took action. That prayer that brought about promise requires your action to be able to see fruition. And when you will do what the Spirit of the Lord has directed you, then the end of that verse is the same for you tonight as it was for Jehoshaphat, as it was for the armies of Jerusalem and Judah. The Lord will be with you. He has promised you that He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He has promised you that He wants to bless you exceeding abundantly more than we can think or ask. But what you've got to do is you have got to get up and walk out and face your battles. You need to pray, you need to accept the promise of God, and you need to go out tomorrow against them. Because the Lord will be with you. But now can I tell you what else happened here? They prayed, 
They received the promise of God. I believe there's a lot of folks in here that God has spoken to about things in their life. Whether it's family members or spoken over their ministries, spoken over their families. I don't know, finances. There's so many things God can speak to. And I believe that there are people that God has spoken about things. But yet, you've had the prayer, you've reminded God, you've, you've had the promise. You've even received the promise and you've walked out. But you still ain't seen it come to pass. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I've prayed. I've had things spoken. I, I'm still waiting for some things to come to pass. And Lord knows I've stepped into areas I'm way uncomfortable with. But I still haven't seen it come to pass. You see, you understand, we're, we're here at 17 and I told them, go out tomorrow for the Lord will be with you. Go out against them, the Lord will be with you. And in verse 18, they worshiped the Lord. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You understand, they hadn't even stepped out at this point. They are still where the promise was received and what they started to do was praise. They started to praise before they ever had their eyes upon what God was promising them. They knew they were out there. You know that that promise is setting outside. You know that your difficulties are setting outside. What it's time to do is praise before God ever moves upon it. You've reminded Him enough. You've talked to him about it enough. You've walked enough. Now it's time to start praising. Now understand that this was not, this was not some kind of praise where they just sat and they didn't move. Oh, bless God. I know you said you're going to move for me. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you. No. They wasn't sitting there with just their head bowed down. They wasn't static in what they were doing. They were under the power and presence of the Holy Ghost. And when they walked into it, it moved them. It moved them to where they were not static in what they were doing, but they were very dynamic in their worship. They walked in and they fell down on their face and they lifted their voices. They cried out to God, even in the midst of all of their troubles, even in the midst of every devil in hell coming against them, they walked in and they just fell down. The power of God moved up on them and all they could do was lift their voice and say thank you God they didn't have to remind him anymore they didn't look at him anymore and say oh God are you not the one in heaven are you not the one with power and authority what they did was say thank you God for your power thank you God for your authority thank you God for seeing the enemies thank you God for already moving against them they fell down and no doubt even though the promise had not already been delivered they were overjoyed and overwhelmed by the goodness of God and it wasn't a weak half-hearted praise of necessity either Listen to what I'm telling you. They hadn't had victory yet. The victory was not in their hands and they still did not give some half-hearted worship. It was with a loud voice on high. 
It is time we start making a loud voice on high. I want to be careful how I say this, but I really don't care if your promises come to pass yet or not. What you need to do is praise. I really don't care if it's going to take a day, a year, ten years, or longer. What you need to do is lift your voice to God with a loud voice on high. You don't need to sit in your pew. You need to get into the altars. You don't need to sit at home. You need to get into the church. You need to move. My God, you need to get up and you need to move your feet and you need to praise God you need to thank Him. You need to know that His power and His authority still stand. Jesus. Jesus. But they didn't stop. They didn't stop when God started moving. It's prayer, a promise, and praise, praise, you see, when God started moving, when God started moving, see, they rose early in the morning and they went out. They did what God told them to do. After they prayed, after they got the promise, after they praised God for it, they got up and went out. They did what God said. They rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. The victory still wasn't there. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Forever means His mercy is still with you today. The same mercy that He extended to David and all of His sin and all of His backsliding and all of His stupidity is still the same mercy that applies to you. The same mercy that applied to you. Thank God I, I love what Stanley was talking about, about how drunkenness can affect you and what He come out of. You know, I praise God for the people that don't have a testimony like that, that I know of. My wife never acted foolish like that. But I thank God for statute of limitations in the Fifth Amendment. I thank God that He pulled me out of some things. Both testimonies are good. But you know what? The same mercy that was extended to me is the same mercy that is extended to someone else. His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and pray, then, they praised before, then they got up, they followed what the Lord told them to do, then they started praising again, and when they started praising in the midst of the action, then the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. But now it goes on to say they were smitten. Do I need to read that to you again? Every person that was encamped around Jehoshaphat, all of that difficulty that he seen circling about him, 
Everything that he knew that there was no way out, all he had to do was sing and praise God, and all of a sudden, God took care of all of it. He didn't take care of one so Jehoshaphat could go battle on the other front. He didn't multiply the men so that he would have enough to fight on both fronts. He just let him sit and sing and praise. And all of a sudden, God Almighty wretched them, and he confounded them all. He wiped them all out. God can do the same for you. He won't just increase your faith so you can fight. He won't just put someone on your right hand and your left to hold you up. But what He will do when you sing and praise, He will move in mighty ways and He can take care of everything coming against you and the victory can be yours in the Holy Ghost. And I love how He did it. I love how he did it. Go on to the next one. Yeah. You see, there were three people circled about him. Ammon, Moab, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Ammon and Moab, instead of fighting who they came to fight, which was Jehoshaphat, they ended up turning on Mount Seir to utterly slay and destroy them. But here's the problem. They destroyed Seir. God used the enemy to destroy the enemy. All right. But then Ammon and Moab turned on each other and everyone helped to destroy another. You know, God didn't even have to lift a finger. Ain't it amazing what God can do in the situations in our life? He turned the enemy to fight the enemy and they all destroyed one another. Then Judah shows up, the nation of Judah, and they looked and behold, there wasn't anything but dead bodies all the way around. How would you like to wake up in the morning and when you open your eyes, spiritually what you see, instead of seeing out of the physical, you open your eyes in the spiritual and what you see are dead demons laid all around. What you see is family coming into the Lord spiritually. What you see when you wake up in the mornings is the power of God has moved and He hasn't even had to lift a finger and neither have you. That's what they seen when they followed what God said and they stepped out. All they seen was everything that was against them, dead and wiped away. But see, that's not it. Oh, we, th we would think, oh God, that's great. Thank you. But that's not all he done for them. That's not exceeding abundantly more than they can think or ask. See, what they asked for was a way out of their situation. They come to take away the spoil. And they found among them in abundance. Both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. Y'all know I preach sometimes from, I think it's 2 Samuel 30, uh, David and his Ziklag experience where everything come against him. Even his own men turned against him. And they lost everything. The enemy had come in, had taken uh, all the women, all the children away, had sacked their village. And David had to encourage himself in the Lord. And there's one little line at the end of that. David 
asked of God. He inquired of God. He said, God, shall I go? God said, go. And you will recover all and then some. Jehoshaphat had an and then some moment. You see, all he wanted was a way out. All he wanted was a way to reach victory. He wanted to be able to live in peace. But what God provided for him was not just victory, not just a way to live in peace, but he provided with them so many spoils, more than they could carry away, so much so that they were three days going in and out, packing out all the goodness of God to take back to sustain them through whatever was coming next. But you know what they done after that? Prayer, the promise, praise, praise, and praise. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. With joy. I'm looking for some people tonight that are ready to walk back into wherever they come from with joy. With joy. You might have woke up this morning and you might have had stress and you might have had difficulties, but I'm looking for some people that are ready to walk back into that same place with joy. They walk back in with joy. Why? Because God had made them to rejoice over their enemies. I believe a time is coming. It has been spoken too many times. The Spirit shall be poured out upon all flesh in the last days. It has been spoken over Mill Creek. It has been spoken over me. It has been spoken over people in this church. When I baptized uh, Boyd's daughter-in-law and Brenda's daughter-in-law, I felt so strong that this is just the first of the families. The first of the families. That means there's more coming. It's been spoken in the Spirit. It's been spoken over our church. I just need some people that will get up and move and do what God has spoken through the Spirit. Because when you do that, and you praise Him before, and you praise Him even during the heat of the battle, after the fact, you can go back to your home and you can walk in with joy because God will make you to rejoice over your enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets into the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Listen to what I'm telling you. Your prayer, the promise that's been spoken, and your praise, praise, praise. Not only will see things come to pass, but it will strike fear into the others out there. They will be scared of what God is doing. But here, this last verse, and I'm not going to even get to the close that I had. That's okay. When they followed everything that was laid out before them. You see, Jehoshaphat woke up one morning with that same fear and dread. He woke up and he was surrounded by Moab and Ammon 
in Mount Zaire. He praised anyway. And that day, he walked out. And when he walked out, he seen victory. Now, I know it says it took three days for them to pack it. Where do you think they packed it to? They packed it back home. When they went back home that same evening, that same morning that he got up, scared and fearful, but praising anyway, he went back home in joy. And when he laid his head down that very night, that very night, it was quiet. For God gave him rest, not on this front, not on that front, not just over there, God gave him rest. He shot up a hook. God gave him rest round about. I'm going to tell you two things and then these altars are open. One. If you're not saved, if you've not submitted your life to Christ, you will never have that rest. It's that simple. Everything I just preached is for not if you are not submitted to Christ. I'd like to sugarcoat it for you, but I can't. It's God's will that you would submit, that you would come to the knowledge of truth, that you would be saved. That's God's will. You can come and you can remedy that tonight, and then the rest of this will be for you. And here's what else. You've been fighting. Some of you indeed woke up this morning fearful. Some of you woke up this morning and you could not look around and see a way out. You've watched the same thing happen for year after year after year. You've went through the stages of being angry with God and reminding God of who He is and encouraging yourself in the Lord. That you know who He is also. You've even had promises spoken. But still like Jehoshaphat, you woke up this morning and you looked around and that promise had still not been fulfilled. Here's what I want you to do. If that's you, I want you to just get out, walk to the altar. And don't be static. I want you to come and praise. They praised before. Their praise before brought about the action of God in the middle. They praised while the action was going on and it brought about joy and peace at the end of the day. So if that's you, if you've got something in your life you're still waiting to see come to fruition, I just want you to get out and come and praise. You can do it in prayer. You can do it with your hands up. But I want you to be dynamic in it. It said they praised God with a loud voice on high. It said they come and fell on their face before God. Don't come up here like He isn't King. Don't come up here like He isn't Lord. Come up here with the reverence of who He is and what He is. But my God, come and praise Praise, praise, and I believe that we will start seeing promises come to pass. The altars are open.